Hello, my name is Hayden Meyer, and you're listening to my podcast. I am a Green River College student enrolled in Journalism 120, a radio and podcasting class taught by Charlie Harger, who works for Como News. We are in charge of Green River AM radio station, KGRG1, which you can listen to live from anywhere in the world on the radio's website, KGRG1.com. Tonight, I am here with my friend Zach Hokinson, who goes to Auburn Mountain View High School. We are here today to talk about video games, their effects, how they function, what works, and what doesn't. How are you tonight, Zach? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm tired, but <laughs> I'm really ready to hear your thoughts on video games. That's uh, fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So just to start the conversation, what kind of games do you play? Do you have specific games that you like or specific genres? Uh, yeah. So 2D side-scrollers, uh, FPSs, RPGs. Uh, those are kind of the big ones, but... Indie games are pretty fun, too, if you can find the right ones. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I I like my fair share of indie games, but I also like some more popular games like Legend of Zelda or Mario. I mean, everyone's really played Mario, but, you know, games like that. I like story games and adventure games. Yeah. Yeah, those are the, the driving factor of, like, the game industry nowadays, or the really story-driven ones. Yeah, there's a lot more coming out lately. And, you know, indie games, like, they're very story-driven, but there are even ones that aren't. But I'm seeing a big increase, you know. Yeah, and it's like, I think that indie games are kind of starting to shape the game industry, now that I think about it. Because, like, you know, before you had, I don't know if you remember Five Nights at Freddy's. That was a <laughs> that, that was a thing there. But that kind of revolutionized, like, how simple something could be, but how popular and widespread it could become. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm That actually makes me think of something I was reading for my CMST class, my um, media analysis class. Um, it kind of showed that indie, indie games or, like, indie developers, you know, people who are sort of unpopular, but when they produce good games, they end up kind of being taken over by popular or triple a developers they yep. get taken up by bigger companies because they're popular so there have been more indie developers but as time goes on they end up you know being sucked up into these bigger companies yeah and it, it it's kind of unfortunate because once that happens they usually use or lose part of their creative freedom because like you know, I, I can't recall the last time an indie developer got kind of taken over by a big company. But when it does happen, it just kind of ruins everything for the independent uh, game creator. Yeah, I mean, usually it's their choice and, you know, they're bought. And so there's a sense of like, well, I guess good for them because they achieved something. But at the same time, there is that feeling of loss, like yeah. they've changed or something's going to be different. Like, if they make another game, it's not really going to be the same because it's kind of like a new a new company. Yeah, or they're sued too, which happens a lot. Yeah, that's kind of the the lesser good thing to happen. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, not only that, but like it's it's just kind of a thing that happens, and it it really sucks because I'm trying to remember what company it was that got uh sued i don't think it was it might have been epic but they're not an indie game company at all but epic basically kind of stole a bunch of stuff to put in uh that they put in their games and it they like had to pay families and stuff or something like that it was just a big it was a big issue but like game companies are starting to just kind of get away with stuff now like ea Right, EA charges tons of microtransactions in games that really are just incomplete. Like uh, Battlefield Five just came out, and that game's hardly complete, and they're still charging microtransactions for like cosmetics and stuff. And it's like people don't want that; they want like maps and game modes and stuff like that. And it just it really makes the community mad, and the community does not like that at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, big companies, whether it be in the game industry or movie industry or whatever, it feels like sometimes they don't they don't need to care about 
what the players or the viewers or whoever their audience is wants because they can get money or whatever they do, it can somehow work out for them. So they do what they want to do regardless of what people want them to do. Yeah, and it's it I, I've seen that I've actually seen that a lot recently, how most major AAA companies are just starting to not care about what the fans want and what they want instead. And that's the prime reason or not the prime reason, that's a prime thing that will get rid of your audience. Like charging microtransactions and loot boxes and all this crap is not helping you at all. It's just making things worse for the consumer. Yeah, when that happens, it's it's really sad because people who do enjoy that game end up either moving away from that game or that developer having to find somebody else. Or some people will just accept it and keep going and they kind of get lost in that. But that's really unfortunate because yeah. a lot of people really can't afford that or people, it's not accessible to everybody. And yeah. It's just not really fair to some people. Yeah, and then... Another thing that I realized too is like if you wait like a year and a half after a AAA game comes out, it's going to be on sale. Like you can go buy, for example, Battlefield One. Right? They just had a five dollar sale with all the DLC, downloadable content, mm-hmm. and you know that game when I bought it on Black Friday, what almost three years ago? Jeez, uh, it was a hundred and ten dollars. So yeah. That it happens, but it's 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 either because then there's the people who buy like the day one stuff that want to play the game on time, you know, and that's that's usually that's somewhat the average consumer. But then there's like the YouTubers and everybody who want to review it as soon as possible so they can get profit off of it. But um, just it's it's just kind of a waiting game, honestly, because some people like the game industry nowadays, right? It's, it's constantly changing and it's constantly evolving to the point where, you know, old content and old ideas are starting to just fade out. Like, uh, the popularity of battle Royales just became popular almost two years ago. And now it's starting to die out again. Um, like Fortnite was like the most number one played game in the world or something last year. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still pretty popular, but definitely. Yeah. And then, like, uh, Apex came out, and that was pretty popular. I haven't heard anything about Apex in a while, so I don't know how that's doing. But it's, it's like, my like the original like Battle Royale stuff was like Minecraft, right? Minecraft Hunger Games was back in like 2011 and 2012. And that died out, and then it came back again with just a different... It's just a... Basically, a recreation of it with guns and third person, and yeah. I mean, I see that stuff all the time. And you know, in the video game industry, it's a it's like the same content but with a different face. That happens with yep. um, all media. You know, that happens with movies and TV shows. Like music, we've, yeah, yeah, music. Yes, that's definitely true. And in in other industries, you know, it's more obvious than others. Like, in the movie industry lately, we've been seeing more remakes, which is way more obvious. Yeah. And it's, it's not really hidden, but we've been seeing so many remakes of old movies where it's it's the same story, same plot, same characters, but they remake it. And not for, not for any particular reason I can tell other than to remake it and get money. But yeah. we see that we're, we're seeing a loss of creativity and originality and the re- like the remaking of the same ideas with a different package. Yeah. Seeing like one of my favorite games of all time is Bioshock, right? Made in 2007. That was, Oh geez. That was almost 11 years <laughs> ago, I think. Um, and that it didn't, it did revolutionize what storytelling could be because there wasn't hardly any multiplayer, right? For 2007, a game that had multiplayer was pretty big back then. Um, But it was an independent story, right? Created by a company that wasn't very big back then. And, you know, now you got Bioshock 2, Bioshock Infinite, and hopefully there's another one coming out soon, but I don't really know. Um, But it, it just shows that you don't have to have... You, ha- you don't have to have a similarity to something for it to be popular. Like a game coming out soon is uh Cyberpunk 2077, right? Mm-hmm. Or whenever that's coming out, you know? Uh but it's it's so original to the point that 
it there's almost nothing that is i mean there's rpg elements that are somewhat similar like looting which you know is a basic rpg staple but it's it's so original and so creative that it may just revolutionize the game industry again you know who knows because mm-hmm. you can't really tell when something's going to revolutionize it unless it comes out and people enjoy it you know no nobody can predict beforehand if it's going to happen, I mean, I'm kind of predicting it, but uh, nobody can like officially predict a revolution before it happens, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, so you're saying, I don't know, <laughs> sorry, but for games that you're talking about, all those games that like they're made one after the other, but they're one, two, three, four. Do you feel like developers like that should, after they make one good game, they should try to make another game that's separated from that? Or how do, how do you feel about those kind of games? Well, they did that actually with Bioshock. So they went from one to two, and two took place like five years later or something like that. Or mm-hmm. I don't remember the dates. Um, but Bioshock Infinite actually did exactly what you were talking about. They brought back it went back in time to like 1912 right and it was so different it was it, it almost wasn't like bioshock but i'm not going to spoil anything in case anyone hasn't played it but they 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 merged it with the with one and two so it fit all together and that is something that is actually really risky because if it doesn't work it doesn't work you know like there's there's movies that have tried to do that where they try to include and even with games, right? It happens all the time. When they try to include something before or after, and it just completely fails miserably. So it, I think that they should at least try to do it, but I think that they should take their time and see what their fan base is looking for. Because pumping out sequels left and right isn't going to get you anywhere, you know? Because yeah. eventually the the style of the game is going to become faded and it's not going to be original anymore. Like, and there was kind of uh, there was kind of a disconnect when when Bioshock Infinite came out because it takes place and like oh hey so Bioshock One took place underwater, Bioshock Infinite takes place in the air. That's not, I mean it's different, but it's the same concept of having yeah. a, a you know utopian or dystopian city in some weird part of the planet right but Mm -hmm. it it changed so drastically that it fits so well if that makes any sense like and again i honestly think that 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 has to do with the developers too because you know ea is the money making company that's what everyone knows them for is greedy you know they're greedy (laughs) um but and then you got a company like 2K, right, who I believe helped with Borderlands and BioShock, right? And those companies did amazing. And you know, they weren't as they may they may not have been as popular as EA, but they made the better game title. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about styles fitting out, that we've seen that so much, but that really yeah. made me think back to or well, not think back to, but the recent game that came out, I believe it's uh, Days Gone. I haven't played it yet, but my I've seen my dad play it, and you know I love post-apocalyptic stories. I love zombies, yeah. but it's kind of it's kind of hard seeing the same thing over and over again because yeah, seeing it, I just see other zombie games. I just see um, you know GTA. It it just you know you're seeing a lot of the same mechanics, the same buttons. Yeah. The same, you know, maps. The same principles. Yeah, like, you, I love these kind of games, these kind of stories, but sometimes it feels like there's, it's just a recreation of what's already been done because people like it. And people like what, people will want more of what they like, but at the same time, you you want something new with it. You want a twist or you want something Something new tied in with something old, so you can grow to love something else, but still kind of feel nostalgic or something. Yeah, and see, I think there's a there's a perfect game that actually fits with with your description. Uh, Detroit Become Human, hmm. right? That is a perfect example of uh, of how 
all of that just kind of fits together because it was something new, right? It may not have been a new concept, but it was pretty realistic. Like you could like, I don't know. I've, I played it once or twice, right? I played through a few hours of it and like, you start to feel that like, oh my gosh, this could happen someday. You know, like it, it, it just, it changed everything and it built its own, not a community. It built its own atmosphere around it. Mm-hmm. And like, it just all fits so well. Yeah, well, that game, you know, it, like you said, it used similar concepts, you know, androids or, you know, technology, will it rise above us? And that wasn't, you know, that wasn't new, but the way that they portrayed it was sort of new. And the way... Yeah that they used, um, you know, player's choice was really, really effective, especially with the way they mapped it out. You can see how much it diverged. And I think that was really one of the selling points is you see a lot of choice-based games, but a lot of them don't feel like your choice matters. And I think they use your choice really well in that game. Um, Yeah, and honestly, I think that 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 could be another... Uh, revolutionary aspect of next gen gener- or next generation games, because like Detroit Become Human is like you said, it's it made your choices matter, right? Like if you've ever played Grand Theft Auto Five, right? Uh, you have you don't really have any choices unless the very end, but I'm not going to spoil that. Yeah. Um, but it, it basically just chooses to remove a character or not. Um, and it's like, well, everyone's obviously going to go with the one where you keep both of them. Right. So it's like, you know, there's not a lot of diverse options in games nowadays and, or yeah, that too, but there's not a lot of diverse choice making in games nowadays, unless it's like you said, Detroit become yeah well you were talking about how you like uh, detroit become human because it it didn't well i'm sure you like for many reasons i like it too i played it yeah so there are many reasons like it but you liked that it 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 wasn't completely original but it made itself original with the way that it It portrayed yeah the way it was it was portrayed and basically how how they made the game, how they made the story and the characters and everything. So they used something unoriginal, but they they made it their own and they made it original. So yeah. do you think games like that can be successful? Not games like specifically like the story in Detroit Become Human, but games where they use something, some inspiration or something that's not original, but they make it their own. Sort of like like how there was Earthbound and then Undertale was kind of inspired by that. And then yeah. um, Hale later inspired Heartbound, which which is still being made, but there's a few chapters. There's a chapter at least out, and they're all inspiring each other, but they're all very different. Yeah, you you think games like that? You think they they're successful and they're good, even if they're they're not completely original. Like you don't need a completely original. You don't need a hundred percent original idea or inspiration, but you need your own original. Um, you know, twist to it, your own original. You need that. Yeah. Not human touch because it's already made by <laughs> yeah. somebody else. But you know, your own your own personal touch to it, your own personal creation. You know, do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I totally do because, like, um, an example is, uh, you know, the eight bit genre, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mega Man, which is one of my favorite game franchises of all time, started back in, I think it was 86, something like that, 87. Um, but it, it it's 8-bit, right? So, and the fact that there's still games being made that are 8-bit, right? The companies could have, couldn't, or the companies could have chosen not to do that, right? But they did. And it's it's all about having your own original ideas, but using i guess using other de- or other ideas but not like stealing them like skyrim is in a way kind of similar to lord of the rings right but mm-hmm. it didn't directly copy it it just got its inspiration its inspiration there you go that's the word i'm looking for yeah. um cuz like 
uh, a lot of games being made nowadays have have either just fatal flaws, right, or are not inspired enough. Mm-hmm. I I feel honestly, um, Dead Cells was really good. Um, that was a pretty revolutionary game, actually. That I think just came out. Um, Dead Cells, Mega Man Eleven, um, uh, freaking Red Dead Redemption Two. That's not really original, but it it was an amazing game. Yeah. Right. So. I mean, yeah, I do agree because you don't need, I guess you don't need an original idea for something to be successful, but you need your own creative inspiration put into it for it to work. Yeah, you need to be able to shape it into your own idea, even if it's like, it's like kind of like baking. I'm not much of a, you know, I'm not sure of a baker or cook, but you know, you have the ingredients, they're not your ingredients, but the finished product. (laughs) Make something new, which I feel like that's a really good analogy, even though I'm not not much of a cook. But yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly how it is, though, is uh, if you don't have your creative ideas and you don't have because, you know, companies hire creative teams. Right. That's usually how most most of the stuff comes to be is is a team of people working together on the ideas. And, you know, there's. Uh, I read somewhere that there's always a ton of disagreements because, um, you know, some game companies uh, put forth effort into making sure that it's something completely original, while, you know, Dead Cells is a 2D side-scroller, right? So was Mega Man back in 1987. So it's just, it, it shows that there's, there is still creativity, but I haven't, honestly been able to find anything new or creative uh unless it's indie or like rockstar because and borderlands 4 is coming out so that that hopefully that's going to be something that's not uh you know like a remake or a combination of borderlands 2 and like the pre-sequel because those two are were kind of similar in aspect the the only difference was the story um but you know back back to indie games though it's like those are it, i f- i see like indie games being kind of a test ground for for game development like i mean that's basically what it is but it's like people testing ideas and seeing what works without having like their lives and careers put on the line you know what yeah, i mean without, yeah without that looming corporation or you know yeah. your job's not on the line it's uh, it's putting your it's tapping your toe in the water before you get in the pool yeah exactly and it it just shows that you know there's tons of communities and people who are willing to make stuff that people have never made before and big companies aren't doing that at all like i i honestly cannot remember the last time um like oh jeez i just lost my train of thought anyway um but they're not oh yeah so companies aren't willing to to do something new most of the time because they're scared of what the audience or the critics or, you know, how the sales are going to be, which is really unfortunate. And you got teams of just people, right? Indie games, just developing stuff just like that. And it just shows that there's, there's literal potential anywhere, but companies, big companies aren't just willing to take it. Yeah. I mean, it feels like they're going with the same formulas over and over. Because what worked mm-hmm. before should work now, and you know it's kind of so just that's yeah. that's wrong. <laughs> that's... Yeah, I, I hate it, but that's just how it works. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I don't think it's how it should work, but currently that's seem that yeah. seems to be how it's working. Yeah, it's just the stupid overflow of battle royale games in the past like year is just so stupid. Like the only difference being. I mean, honestly, though, the only difference being the graphics and, like, I guess some gameplay elements, but none of them are are so revolutionary that it's a completely different game. It's, like, the same game recycled over and over again. Yeah, well, I mean, we've said this, but I feel like that's kind of why indie games are important, because they really bring new things to the table, because, you know, like you said, it's 
it's kind of experimental for some people where they can yeah. kind of put their put their um, new ideas on onto the table, you know, kind of mess with them, play with them, and see how people react. And a lot of the time, people react pretty well, and you know that that grooms uh, that makes room for more games like those games. I mean, hopefully not exactly like those games, but you know, yeah, and- you know, same, similar styles and stuff like that. Yeah, not only that, but it, but when when stuff like that comes out, right? It shows that, or it shows developers that hey, this works. So, and then you know, cool companies, um, not EA. By the way, <laughs> I hate EA. Not, um, to, not to name names. EA. Yeah, not to <laughs> name names. EA. Yeah. Um, but like bigger and cooler companies like Rockstar or even 2K or I don't know what's another good gaming company. Like, don't, don't ask me. Uh, I like games, but uh, not. I'm. I don't. Oh. I, don't, I uh, always tend to forget the big names behind. Yeah, it. that's all right. Um, but you know, big cool companies see that hey, this works. So let's. Not take advantage of it, but let's get our inspiration from it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And not EA, where they just steal everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, this is going to go back a little bit, but uh, this is when we were talking about Detroit Become Human, and you were, uh, we were both talking about it. But when you were talking about how it's cool when games take something that's sort of unoriginal, but they mold it into something new, like they make it their own. Um, yeah. How do you how do you feel about we touched on this a little bit but about games that or companies or developers that ha- they it can be a big company too but when they make a game and it's successful and then they make more games but they change the story you know like Legend of Zelda there's been so many different games that are Legend of Zelda but they've all yeah. changed evolved and evolved and developed even though the core concept of, you know, Elf Link, um, you know, Saving Princess or yeah. going on adventure is kind of the same, but it's still evolving and changing over time. How do you feel about that? Um, well, you know, if if it's going to be successful, it, it can't be the same thing over and over again. So I, I think that they're honestly kind of forced into doing that because I don't know how many Zelda games there are now. But they just came out with one. Uh, crap, what is the name of it? I don't know why I'm thinking of Wind Waker. It's um Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I don't know why I was blanking on that. Breath of the Wild. Uh, Dang. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> anyway. Um. But they, you know, changing, changing. I guess the style of game developing because it. What you know, Zelda was a was a top down RPG. Yeah. Back yeah. In, uh, back in the NES days, mm-hmm. and then. They tried, uh, they actually tried side-scrolling for a little bit on, um, I, I think it was the TurboGrafx-16, that was a really unknown game console, um, and that kind of failed miserably, um, but it was because of the console limitations, so, um, but, yeah, they tried 2D, uh, side-scrolling for a little bit, and then they did... Uh, 3D, which I think is the most successful, because like you got Ocarina of Time and you got Majora's Mask, that are like the best games ever made. Um, <laughs> and those really succeeded because it was 3D. The console was new, and they took. It's very important that they did this. They took every single opportunity to utilize the console to its abilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that like they did top down uh but they also did 3d so it 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 was a mix of both and you know that was revolutionary for the time you know back in the 90s you know you either had like snes right or they had uh n64 which was pretty good um but it continuing on what you said like oh geez i'm losing my train of thought again um so uh yeah, I think that they kind of have to kind of keep changing the story or to keep changing the way that the game is played. And you know, another a thing that I realized was that um they sometimes they just go back to something that's previous to make it feel nostalgic. Like yeah. um 
another example for that uh, Mega Man Mega Man X Seven or no? Yeah, Mega Man X Seven uh, was kind of like a 3D version of Mega Man, and it really sucked, <laughs> um, and it kind of failed. Um, but then you know you got Mega Man six. I think it was Mega Man sixty four or something like that that had the same thing, but it did a little bit better, and it's not really trial and error, but it's it's kind of test like you said it's putting your toe in the in the pool before you go into it it's testing what you can do and you know that's why e three like at e three they have uh they have panels right where you can go and test games yeah. and they have that at pax too um it's to get user feedback in case you know there's a problem or something like that and uh you know back in the you know eighties and nineties they didn't have digital downloads you know they didn't have digital updates so you can't fix anything so i just think i think it is kind of a key thing that 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 things keep changing but they don't change for the worse yeah they they really kind of evolve with the time you know sometimes you know when they're evolving and trying to like apply themselves to the console or whatever as time moves on they might they might fall a little bit like you said where not everything works out completely 100%, 100%, but they still keep changing, but not completely straying from their origins either. Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, um, like PC gaming nowadays, right? You have these $1,000, $2,000 CPUs and graphics cards that you can, you know, run a freaking NASA com- It's almost like a NASA computer. <laughs> um, but it's it's important that a game can utilize elements that are new but original and utilize the technological capabilities that a console or computer has. Because, you know, one of the best-looking games is Red Dead Redemption 2. That It's got lag on a console. It's almost ridiculous. Um, you know, the, the lighting and, and I don't think ray tracing's on console yet, but uh, the lighting and just visual effects are so stunning that, you know, they had to almost downgrade their their uh, game so it would fit the hardware. So it's like, it's just, it's it's a constant evolution of a technological kind of spectrum, I guess, because it's it's needed for games to kind of well no it's not needed for games to be successful but it's if you want something new again that fits in with a new with a new concept is the graphics right mm-hmm. like uh like some games are i don't know how many still do this but some games are re- released just to prove like hey this is technological uh this is you know groundbreaking right and it's yeah. like oh my gosh this can be used in the future and it's just it's it's utilizing the capabilities of, of a system, basically. Yeah, I mean, is that part of why you think the Legend of Zelda games are really, or games like that at least, are really successful? Because these games are really popular. So yeah. is that part of what separates them from other games? Or what what kind of makes these games so popular compared to other games, other than, you know, nostalgia from players who've played more, yeah. of, more of the original games? Um. So... I think that um uh, the reason why they're they're so popular is because how long this fran well how long a franchise goes on for right like mm-hmm. I don't know what game like what number of games Zelda's on right now but um Breath of the Wild is different from all the others because it's 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 like an it's open world right which you know other Zelda games happen but this this is on the Nintendo Switch, right? A tiny, tiny console. Like, you can get a Nintendo Switch for, like, what, 300 350 bucks, right? And the thing can play, like, Doom on it. And that was made in, twenty like, 2016 or something like that. And the, it's, it's amazing how this tiny handheld console can be taken with you wherever you go. Or you can uh, put it in the dock and have it on your computer or tv right and it's like giving the user options for you know stuff that they may not even use right Mm -hmm. like but then again people bring their switches everywhere but 
including aspects of of things that you may never use but you could use right it just builds and builds and builds and um you know the graphics on the thing look amazing and uh zelda zelda's graphics on that look really good it it kind of looks like wind waker a little bit uh if you've ever played wind waker yes um, but <laughs> it it's I think it's honestly just the fact that that they've been around and uh consumers know what they may be expecting and that's kind of a thing that draws people in usually is hey this is something that looks really cool that hey I've played a previous Zelda game before so I'm probably going to like this one you know same thing with Pokemon right like yeah. there's a new Pokemon game released almost every year it's different but it's it's kind of the same, but it's it's different. It adds new elements and adds new uh, characters and stuff like that. Yeah, so um, it's it's kind of a mix of technological advancement and time. So they get their older players to stay. Yeah. While time goes on, they also end up getting more and more uh, new players as time goes on. So it just keeps. Yeah. Building. Yeah, and now here's here's a bad example of 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 something that you shouldn't do, right? Again, I'm going to pick on EA for for this one. <laughs> oh. um, uh so Battlefield 5 um got got a trailer and people didn't like it cuz it wasn't like World War 2 or something like that. I don't know. I I didn't really care. It just looked like a Battlefield game to me. Um but then, you know, people who didn't like it, right, were told not to buy the game from the developer who you know, in fact, just quit the next day. So, that is a prime example of what you should not do. Um, because if you tell the consumer not to buy something because they don't like it, that's absolutely destructive to your community, right? Like, a good game company like Nintendo or... Uh, Freaking the people who make Halo. I don't. I don't know. Just an example, right? <laughs> yeah. They listen to their audience and say, "Hey, that's cool. We might include this." You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or, or they could be like, you know, this. You might not like it, but you mo- You know, maybe give it a try and see how see how it feels afterwards. Or you know, some like a lot of people might like it or something, but they they wouldn't brush them away and be like don't play this game then they they would try to include them or listen to them or kind of pull them in you know yeah exactly um and not only that but like companies that have um you know more bigger companies um are starting to like drift away from that and it really sucks because the the more Smaller independent companies are listening to their fans and the bigger companies aren't. And that's what's driving their audiences away to go towards the smaller companies. Like, I think the most faithful, um, the most faithful company, uh, that is still making games is Nintendo. Like, they've been faithful to their fans. They've been, uh, they've taken the suggestions by their fans. They've listened to the community, right? And, uh, when like Breath of the Wild got announced, everyone was freaking out about it, and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of stuff that people were complaining about it. But the stuff that was right, they either patched it later or they just flat out fixed it before the game came out. Yeah, right. And it's like a lot of companies nowadays um, are releasing games that are totally unfinished. Um, again, picking on EA again, uh, but. Uh, like Battlefield Five came out uh, basically broken at the start of launch, which is just disgraceful that they're charging, you know, sixty, eighty dollars for a game that doesn't have half of the content of the release of the game that came out before it. Right? It's like it, it's it's kind of sad because you know it's it just shows like it's not trial and error. It just shows that that companies are just starting to drift away from their communities and it it's just i can go on a whole tangent about this but um it's just they need to fix that they need to fix that the fact that they are 
losing their fans because of their decisions and they're causing it. Yeah, I mean, it's really sad, but you were talking about how uh, Nintendo, even though it is a big company, it still listens to their fans, and, you know, I do agree with that. I mean, Mario Odyssey, that wasn't really this year, but I do remember there were people who were upset. I mean, they didn't completely take it out of the game, but there were some people who were upset about Mario wearing a poncho. Whether you agree oh my that... my gosh, are you serious? Yes, there were people upset. Oh, and God. Whether, whether or not you agree with how they felt, because they, they said that it was cultural appropriation, though I did hear many people who from Mexico and stuff say that they were actually happy to see it because they felt their culture was being embraced. But whether or not you agree with that point, Nintendo still did listen and see what they could do. They didn't, they didn't take it out of the game. That would be a little bit unreasonable, but they did listen yeah. and they took it. I think what they did is they took it off the cover of the CD or the game box or something like that. They, they didn't erase it, but they still listened and try you know, they didn't do nothing and just ignore it. They, they still listened even whether or not, you know, it was the right thing to do. They still tried to listen and see it from their side. Yeah. See, and that's, that's the cool thing too, is like, if, if someone has a problem with it, right, they'll, they'll announce it and then they'll do what they can to fix it, you know, but overall, another thing that, that I think is, is it's not underappreciated, but it's just, um, what people don't realize is a company made this game for you, right? And it's like, okay, it has something in it that may cause, you know, some sort of of problem. But it's like, this company spent a year, sometimes even a few years. Heck, Cyberpunk's been in development for almost almost six years now. Um, You know, it's like, they made this for you and you're complaining about it. And it's like... And it's so nice that Nintendo did that because they're like, okay, we care about our fans so much, you know. Yeah. To 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 do something that that wasn't, you know, that, that they Necessary. were upset about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I definitely agree with you with video game. I mean, I see this with video game. I also see it with art. I mean, I read a lot of a lot of web comics, and a lot of yeah. them are free. But I see people who complain all the time about the content they receive, even though... It's free. Yeah, it can be free, even if it's not... There is still a lot of hard work going into it. I feel like for for when people make this, this kind of content for you, it takes a lot of time, and for you to... It's so easy for you to tear it apart. Yeah. Unnecessarily, when you don't have to. Like, people don't take the time to consider what went into it, or maybe you have a complaint, yeah. but you don't see it Maybe there is a valid complaint there and they just didn't see it, but that doesn't mean you should tear them down for it. It can be an educational experience instead of arguing about how they're bad. Um, yeah, exactly. I was going to say something else. What was it? Um, oh, I, I really lost my train of thought there, but yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's really horrible how people will just so easily, oh yes, okay, they will so easily tear something down when it doesn't necessarily deserve to or need to be taken down when it can be improved. Whereas, yeah, totally. you know, there are companies or there are game, there are things that go wrong in games that are bad. Like there, I'm sure there are some developers out there who don't have good messages in their games, but <laughs> you know, yeah, but we don't really hear about that. We hear a lot of controversies about games when something mild goes wrong or when a fan doesn't like something, you know, and it's, yeah, Hard because those people put a lot into it. Like, sure, you can have your criticisms, but uh, I think you should also consider, you know, from the developer's point of view or what worked into it. Because you know, freedom of speech, you can say what you want to say, but at the same time, you can also not be a mean person about it. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, it's really sad too how um, how how somebody could care so much about a game company and just kind of watch it destroy itself without them doing anything like Bethesda, right? They almost, well, they didn't go bankrupt, but they took a lot of hate for fallout 76. And, um, and it's like, 
people want it to be improved, and Bethesda's just like, no, we're going to do it our way. And all the fans are like, but Bethesda, we've been here for you for 10 plus years. And it's like, you know, I honestly sometimes think that the fans know more uh, to do with the game than the developers do. And that, again, goes back to Fallout 76, how uh, all of the uh, fans are like, give us mod support, we can fix this. Like, not even joking. Like, a lot of comments and emails and tweets and, um, like, posts on Instagram and stuff um, were like, give us mod support, we could fix this. You know, we could be part of this team and make this game something amazing. But they're like, no, we're just gonna do this thing and charge you more stuff or stuff that's in-game. It's just... And it 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 really it just kind of destroys the community around it. And another thing that I I read too was there was there's a mod there was a mod in development for Skyrim, and I think it was Skyrim Online or something like that. Because somebody already made Fallout New Vegas Online, which is just Fallout New Vegas multiplayer with with yeah. tons of people. Um, and the guy didn't break or the person developing it didn't break any laws, didn't do anything against the company, got the company's uh support and um like uh confirmation that he could do stuff about it. And you know, someone comes along and is like, "Oh hey, this is a bad thing." And they're like, "Okay, well whatever, it's my mod, right?" And then it, it got shut down. Like not even joking, it's shut down now, I think. Um, yeah, and it's like, you know, the company gave you permission to do that, and it's like, well, this person's upset, so it's going to get canceled, and, um, it just kind of sucks to see that, that if, that, you know, the company sided with the fan who was upset, right, but the company doesn't side with the, the people who are trying to make the game better, if that makes any sense. I mean, the person who made the mod was sort of like a content creator, and yeah, you know, it sucks because they made. I mean, they built on what was already made, but they did make something, and uh, it was kind of taken away because of some because someone else didn't like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I think it. I think it's called. I looked it up. I think it's called Tamriel Online, but. No, that's that's a different mod. Um, but there's... Let me see if I can find it. Because there was... It was it was a pretty big thing. It, it got in the news. But, um... Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's just it's just a thing of, of the developers kind of not... I guess, it, actually, what it is exactly is the, the developers not listening to the fans when they need to. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they were... Well, no, it doesn't sound like they were even in danger. I feel like a lot of cases, the company is just worried about getting in trouble, so they avoid it unnecessarily. So they uh, avoid it or do something to kind of escape that. But it didn't even sound like the company would have... Like, nothing would have been wrong with the company. So, I don't know. I just... I agree with you, you know? Yeah. And I'm I'm just... um. I'm just trying to think of some other examples where just the people won't listen. Um, I can't really think of any other companies that that are just kind of not hating their fans, but just not listening to them. Um, But yeah, I think Fallout 76 is kind of the big one because the game was, again, finished, uh, finished, unreleased. The game literally went 50% off the week of the launch. That's how bad it was. Yeah, I I saw a lot of stuff. Um, maybe not on the news, but I saw stuff all over online. I saw people who were looking at the game files and seeing all the reused assets and models from and Fallout stuff. Four. Yeah. yeah, seeing all that stuff, and people were upset. You know, they felt like it wasn't anything new, and you know, obviously, like you said, not finished. Yeah. See what 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 they honestly should have done, if anything. Right, I mean, it's an online game, and it's it's supposed to be an art, an online RPG. Um, they 
honestly probably should have just waited a year and then released it, but release it for, you know, heck, probably for free, honestly. And then once it's free, right, that captivates your audience and that gets them to go and say, hey, this thing's free. Let's see how this works. And then everyone could go and flood the game, right? Go and play it. And then they're like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then that's when uh, Bethesda could probably start adding either downloadable content um, or, you know, I guess a season pass. I get, or no, a season pass. I don't know how that'd work with an online RPG. Um, but just downloadable content, kind of like uh, what World of Warcraft does, right? They release new expansions. Um, I don't know how often, but they release expansions and, you know, you don't have to buy them to play the game, right? Yeah. But, like, they're available for people to buy and play. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it. there's just so many ways that it could have just been avoided. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're not obligated to give us a game, but at the same time, when you kind of promise something, you're like, here... Here's what it'll be. Here's here it'll be. You know, here, here's what it will be. Here's when it will be, and then yep. you know, it's not really delivered. That's that's kind of a different thing. Where, you know, maybe maybe you're not obligated to you know make that, but at the same time, there's a reason. You know, it's reasonable to feel kind of not really betrayed, but sort of disappointed. You know, let down yep. by the developer or developers. Yeah. yeah. Um. Actually, I thought of another one. Uh. That came to mind and it it does have to do with um just why people won't listen to anything um did you see the diablo immortal launch thing from e3 uh no when was that so there was a i think it was at e3 there was (laughs) a, a release for a game called diablo immortal and it's I think the last I've never played Diablo, but the last Diablo game was in two uh, was in like 2012, I think. Was and it, it was Di- ago? I mean, I played Diablo. I I played Diablo three, but I yeah, it was Diablo three. It might have been 2014. Um, let me look it up here because it it's it's 2012. 2012. 2012. Okay. Uh, oh, that's so long. Uh, I feel like it was not even that long. <laughs> I, I know playing. time. Time is going by so fast. It's weird. Yeah. Um, um, but so Diablo Immortal got announced and it was like leading up, leading up, leading up, leading up. And it was to this like big disappointment that it was for mobile. And oh. so many fans got freaking upset. And um, so... Uh, so then some, some like dude, right. in the audience, cause they were answering questions. He was like, is this an out of season April fool's joke? Oh no. And everyone started applauding in the audience and it was so bad. And he was like, no, this is a fully fledged Diablo online mobile experience. And then, uh, another, another guy from the audience was like, are there any plans to make this for PC? Because I think Diablo's mostly PC. Yeah, yeah um, it's, it's PC, PS4. Yeah, and he was like, is there any plans to make this for PC, or is it strictly mobile? And the guy was like, uh, no, we're only going for, for mobile. And the crowd booed oh. at um, Blizzard. They booed oh. Blizzard almost off stage, And and the guy was the guy was like, "Do you not have phones up on the stage?" And it was like, "Really? It couldn't get any worse. You had to ask if people had phones." Like, oh, oh my god, it was so bad. Yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna go to one more topic before uh, you know shut down for the night. Yeah. Okay. Um. So this is the topic of storytelling. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, uh, I was thinking about Legend of Zelda when I was thinking, when you know, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Legend of Zelda, but, you know, there's a lot of games like that where it's quest-oriented and there's a fair amount of dialogue. You know, dialogue's not a big part of it, but it's definitely there. Yeah. So, yeah, how do you think storytelling differs between games without dialogue versus games with a lot of dialogue, 
versus games with a lot of action? How do you think they handle storytelling? Do you think um, it? Do you think one type of game does it better? And do you think there's a reason for these differences other than just being a style choice? Could it be linked to indie games versus AAA games, or is it just genuinely a different kind of genre? Okay, so. Uh, again, I'll refer back to Bioshock because I think it's the best story-driven game I've ever played. Um, the entire campaign of Bioshock 1, the player did not speak one word. Mm, much he did, much he like did, Link. <laughs> he didn't say anything at all. And you had this one dude on a radio um, talking to you not about half the time. Um, maybe a fourth of the time through the game and um it it made it made it feel like like the guy you were playing as was like traumatized and it was like it was a really good experience um but i know that undertale has has almost i think it is all text isn't it yeah it's yeah all... it's it's dialogue in the sense that you know there are dialogue like boxes and it's talking there's no voices but yeah it's yeah it's all all t- you know, it's 3D and you can move around, but it's all like it's, you click on things and it's all text, yeah. and you're re- you're reading basically the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I think I it's actually I mean, re- as of recently, right? Um, voices like voice acting in video games, uh, for uh for the major part, has been kind of something that's new, actually, recently. I I believe because um. Like, I guess stuff started to pick up in the 90s, so I guess the majority of games have had voice acting. But, like, you know, games for the Switch, games for the DS, games for the PSP, you know, all these mobile device or mobile consoles. Uh, heck, even, um, you know, games for your phone, right? The majority of them don't have voice acting because, you know add that to a cartridge or a UMD, which is the little things you put in the PSP. Um, Mm. Right? That takes up space. Right? So, um, plus, you know, when putting something on a mobile device, I'll just call it a a mobile device in terms of, of, like, handheld gameplay. Um, it, it, It costs money to hire voice actors, and, you know, that's it that's that's a big thing so like you know you go around in pokemon right everything's text right and almost yeah. literally everything is through text which is really cool because um going back to what you said about which one kind of captivate i guess if you want to talk about which one captivates one better um I don't know how many times I've played a game and I get lost when people are talking, but when reading something, that's a completely different story. Like, literally, it's a different story. Um, You know, sometimes for the heck of it, I turn on subtitles, you know, Mm -hmm. while playing a game that has has dialogue or voice acting, because it, it doesn't ruin the immersion for me, but instead it kind of makes it a little bit better because, you know hearing that creepy voice in the distance and reading what it says, right? That can be kind of a, a little bit different. But um, again, I think it also kind of determines like the style of the game. Um, like I'll refer to Battlefield 1 as voice acting because the voice acting in that's pretty good. Uh, they hired, I don't know how many people to do like, fifth, not 15, about like six or seven different languages, right? And, um, there's so much dialogue in that game that, that every scenario has a dialogue for it and it's in its own language. And that's, that amplifies the immersion so much. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but, uh, another great voice acting in, uh, have you ever played Uncharted? Um, I've seen people play it, but I never ended up playing it myself. Yeah, I haven't either, actually. Um, but Uncharted Four has some of the best voice acting I've ever heard of uh, this dude Nathan Drake talking to himself. Right? Mm. Like it, it, it really brings out like, like 
like if you were in that situation, like, would you be doing that? Like, would you start talking to yourself or would you start thinking about stuff out loud? You know, if you're alone in the middle of a jungle somewhere, right. It's like, it's, I think, I think honestly, both like every type of story driven, you know, any story driven game has the potential to move you in certain ways. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I think that all of the different types of storytelling, whether it be visually, audio, or reading it, right, they all have an impact. So, uh, you know, if it's well written, if it's well voice acted, it's most like it's going to be a good game, right? It's going to have story, it's going to have character, which is a big thing. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that none of them really. Uh, kind of stick out uh because i think they're all pretty much the same yeah so it seems like you think that games with really good voice acting or dialogue can really enhance the story but with games that don't have that voice acting or dialogue they can still they have their own strengths other than voice acting like they have other visual storytelling or something else to rely on that yeah but it doesn't make them unequal that they just use different assets to kind of enhance their story so you think so like you said, there's nothing really stands out to you. You think that they all have their kind yeah. of their charm, right? Yeah, and another thing I'd like to add on uh on like reading some or reading a story or reading dialogue, right? Is mm-hmm. uh one thing that that um that actually that I I kind of I just thought about that um that not audio but but reading uh a story um is a little bit honestly i think a little bit better than than dialogue uh or not dialogue but like voice acted dialogue i mean um because you can imagine that character's voice right you could imagine it in however you want to right you could put yourself in that situation right when uh you know, thinking about voice act dialogue, it, it, uh, you know, this character set in this role that you, you know, you could imagine yourself in, uh, but it's kind of like predetermined for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, that also goes to get, uh, goes together really well with character creation in games because this is your character, you know? And, um, Fallout 4 did a, did a thing like that. Um, where you would create your character and it was voice acted. It, I mean, it kind of worked, but it wasn't as good as like having just dialogue like Fallout Three. Yeah. Um, because you could imagine yourself in that situation, thinking, yeah. thinking that thought and what decisions you're going to make. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was your character, but then adding that voice acting kind of took it took took it yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised the amount of people weren't surprised or were surprised that there would be uh uh voice acting in Fallout 4 because people weren't really excited for it. So I think that's that kind of I don't know if that proves my point. Um but it's it's uh it's it's just it it I honestly do kind of think that the dialogue text dialogue works a little bit better than voice dialogue. But that's, you know, that's just my opinion. I mean, it is just your opinion, and for me, I would say I don't mind either way, because having, I like having subtitles on either way, but having the voice actor, you know, it's interesting just to hear them, I don't know, it kind of sets, it kind of helps you tell you who the characters are, um, you know, I'm, there are a lot of games, and I don't really need to even bring up an example, but I'm thinking of Oxenfree, you can kind of tell their personality from their inflection and their voice, which is nice. But when you can kind of create the voice by yourself, that's interesting too. I think it's even better. I mean, I don't do this, but I watch some Let's Plays. And if the, if there's text and not really, not really a voice actor, sometimes when the, whoever's playing it can make up that voice and, you know, Whoever's yeah. both playing it, you're laughing, and you, I think it kind of creates a connection between you, uh, and your friend, and the character and the game. So I think I 
I wouldn't say no to voice acting because I think voice acting is really good and a lot of people do really well at it. But also, you know, there's charm either way. Yes, yes, exactly. I agree 100%. Yeah, I wouldn't want all games to be voice acted, but at the same time, I also want all games not to be voice acted. You know, I I like both because having having your, not power, but having the ability to kind of control decide and... Decide and yeah. think, think in that role of the character. Yeah, connect to the character. Exactly. You know, you're thinking about the character, who they are, what they're like, and that's where the voice comes from. It's not usually a random voice. It's based on something. So you're connecting to the character in the game more. You know, and I can I can agree with that, and I can see why you would like that better. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about a lot of things. Uh, I think we talked more than we uh, expected, but it's okay because I think we yeah, we hit a lot of right. interesting points. Yeah, I really liked uh, the way this went because there's a lot of interesting points. You know, you made some. I mean, I keep saying interesting points, but you know, you made some good points. You know, you had good examples and. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I really enjoyed this. So, yeah, thanks for being on my podcast. Of course. This is awesome. Yeah, well, good night. All right, good night.